Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, educator friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Pre-K Spot Talks. I'm your host, Melissa May, and we are on Season 6, Episode 4, where we are going to dive deep into a world filled with shared giggles, whispers, and the sheer magic of child-to-child interactions. Welcome to the enchanting universe of peer play. Remember the days when a simple cardboard box wasn't just a box? but a spaceship, a bakery, or maybe a hidden cave. We made a bear cave once, all out of boxes. Who were your partners in these wild adventures? It wasn't just adults guiding you, but your buddies, siblings, or that new friend from the park. Imagine this. Two kids at the beach, one with a shovel, another with a bucket. Separately, they're just tools. Together, they're the perfect combo to create a magnificent sandcastle kingdom. And this is exactly what happens in the classroom. With proper materials and environments set up, you can bring two children together with two totally opposite or two materials that go together, and they can come together to play. So what's the magic behind peer play? It's that unique dance where children lead, follow, innovate, and learn, all from one another. No scripts, no guides, just raw, authentic, child-driven exploration. You know that we love that here over at Pre-K Spot because really that's just play. This is what play is, exploration, interactions, learning. Now we adults often feel the urge to step in, offer guidance, or sometimes even manage their play. But hold that thought. Peer play offers something special, a dimension of learning and growing that's pure, unfiltered, and very essential. So let's hop into our time machine and visit ancient civilizations. Did you know that artifacts and writings from ancient Greece, Rome, and even Egypt depict children engaging in play and learning from one another? Just like birds learn to fly by frolicking with their peers, children have been learning play or learning through play for millennia. Dr. Peter Gray, one of our favorite people to quote, A renowned psychologist once said, the most important skills that children everywhere must learn in order to live happy, productive, moral lives are skills that cannot be taught in school. And where do they learn them? You got it, in their own playful peer interactions. Peter Gray does a lot of research on like hunter-gatherer communities and societies and how they learn from one another and how play played a role in that. So picture this. Life as a vast, intricate tapestry. Each thread represents an experience, a lesson, a memory. Now imagine how much richer and more colorful this tapestry becomes when children interweave their threads, sharing stories, dreams, and adventures. That is the true essence of peer play. So now it's time to put on our detective hats or get on our science coat 
because we are now going to dig deep into the mind-bending science and captivating research behind pure play. Ever watch ants working in tandem or birds flying in formation? Just like the natural world, kids too have this innate drive to cooperate, learn from, and guide each other. Let's step into the shoes of researchers for a moment. Picture a bustling kindergarten playground. Kids laughing, toys scattered, mini dramas unfolding. To the untrained eye, it's just chaos. But to the keen observer, it's a living lab of learning. Research from the esteemed Child Development Journal reveals some jaw-dropping facts. Children engaged in quality peer play show heightened emotional understanding, better cooperation, and enhanced negotiation skills. As we all know, these are our basic foundational skills so that children can access learning when it's time to do all of that academic learning. And these skills also help them access their play and interact with their peers and learn to be a member of a community and the society as whole. But wait, not everything is just about our social skills. Dr. Lydia Soifer, a speech and language pathologist, points out that peer interactions are a goldmine for language development. Trading Pokemon cards or planning a tea party isn't just play. It's a linguistic workout. Imagine a seesaw. On one side, we have cooperation, and on the other, healthy competition. Peer play perfectly balances the two. When kids play board games, they learn to compete, strategize, and yes, also lose gracefully. Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? Just like our slow and steady friend, children in play-based settings gradually develop a strong sense of self-worth, patience, and determination. It's not about the sprint. It's about the journey and the exploration, the shared adventures. This is something I'm often telling my husband, and I also share it with families, that we are playing the long game here. We are running a marathon. When it comes to behavior and how children are learning, we're not trying to just get them to behave in the moment because that's not going to teach them how to behave later. We have to suffer through some of the things that feel uncomfortable or are inconvenient for adults, but are the moments for children where they're truly learning. You know, it takes time to learn things. Four-year-olds, you've heard me say it once and I'll say it again, four-year-olds are only 1,640 days old. So while they're talking and they're learning and they have so much that they can do, they're so capable, they are lacking so much in experience in life. And we have to remember to keep the balance of the two. And we are playing the long game for that. So it might be really hard in the moment when they're throwing a fit at the grocery store or we're having big emotions in school and it's causing a ruckus for everybody else or distracting. But these are the moments that we have to live with and work through to teach children their foundations and everything that they need to be part of society and community and to access information later. It is not about right this moment. It's about the long game. Of course, in the moment, there are lots of strategies you want to try. You want to regulate. But to teach children to regulate takes time. It takes time for them to understand that. And some kids, especially in the pre-K era, may take the whole year to learn to regulate. And once they hit kindergarten, they're thriving. I have a student that has literally went through that this year. A December baby 
he took all of pre-K to get out the energy, show us the behaviors, try out some things, and learn to regulate. And by the time it was a year later in December, he is thriving in kindergarten. This is just the way things work. And so we have to remember the long game. A gem from Dr. Vivian Paley's work, love Dr. Paley, always resonates with me. She observed classrooms where play was the heart of learning. And the result, children weren't just absorbing information, they were co-creating it, making sense of the world with their peers, one playful interaction at a time. So to sum it all up, if our children's minds were gardens, peer play would be the rain, sunshine, and the buzzing bees, nourishing, warming, and pollinating ideas. It's nature's way of ensuring growth, creativity, and collaboration. Let's think of a bustling classroom, pre-K, kindergarten, whatever it is you teach. Imagine this classroom. There's space in the floor, and there's a sprawling city made of colorful blocks that stands in the middle. Little architects Mia and Alex are deep in debate. The tower needs to a helipad, insists Mia. Alex, pondering, suggests, how about a dragon's den on top instead? Negotiation, collaboration, and wild imagination, all in one day's play all in just this block structure. But peer play isn't about epic block cities. Picture young Sophia. New to school, language is a barrier. But then along came Luna, a simple game of follow the leader. No words, just actions. By recesses end, language barriers had transformed into bridges of friendship. I have been seeing this so much and I believe I've mentioned this student very recently. I've had a student a couple years ago who really showed me how play is universal, despite what language you speak, despite what culture you come from. Children all play in the same way, or they want to play the same things. It just looks a little different in their approach or in their ideas and what they bring to the table and the materials that they have around them. But play is universal, no matter what you speak. I have seen it work, whether children are speaking two totally different languages, they can work together on a block structure, they can learn their language through their play, and before you know it, they're cooperating and they're talking to one another and they are learning both languages from each other. I am especially seeing that this year with a high influx of migrant families in New York City. They have entered our classrooms And they've shown us how they play. And it's coming together in this beautiful molding of community. We definitely don't other our students here. Everybody is part of our family and part of our community. And I love seeing every different child's approach to play. And it's been really interesting to see children or a larger group of children from a different culture because they're playing the same games that I've seen Children coming from our community, they're playing mom, they're playing children, they're playing doctor, they're playing with their stuffies, they're building houses. And it's all the same because they're kids and play is universal. And everywhere you go in your school or at home, you see the playground, the art room, even the lunch table. These become theaters of learning and connection when kids guide one another. It's about giving them the opportunity to work together so they can be a community and we can use the universality of play. Remember playing telephone as kids, whispering a secret, passing it along, and laughing at the hilariously twisted end message? And that wasn't just fun. It was an exercise in active listening and interpretation. 
It's peer play making subtle lessons out of loud laughter. Now we've heard of the buddy bench, right? Where a child who is feeling sad or lonely or left out, they can sit there and other children know that they might need some help. We've also implemented something similar in my classroom where we call it check-ins. We are teaching children to be aware of other people and not being afraid to check in on them. It's not just when somebody falls down or gets hurt or somebody's crying, but we're taking it to another level where, you know, maybe somebody's looking a little sad or you see somebody playing by themselves. Now, of course, it's okay to play by yourself, but if you see somebody alone, you can check in and say, hey, you want to play? Or what are you playing? Or do you want to play by yourself? Or do you want to play with me? And children are allowed to say, no, I'm fine. Or, of course, maybe they want to be invited. It's more about making children aware that this could be a thing and then help them understand that everybody makes their own choices. But it's really about the peer interaction and helping the children understand both sides. Our stories underline a powerful truth. When children are given the space and freedom to interact without too many rules or interventions, they naturally learn to negotiate, collaborate, lead, follow, and most importantly, understand and respect one another. We are really big on community here. Really, really big on community. And it's really for those social interactions and those understandings of empathy and those understandings of self-awareness and being aware of other people and for all of those reasons. Just think of it this way. If life were a vast ocean, pure play would be the gentle, current, guiding young explorers, letting them navigate, discover treasures, and sometimes even face the waves, but always ensuring that they learn, adapt, and sail ahead. Remember, the true essence of learning isn't always in textbooks or on the whiteboard or Promethean board. Sometimes it's in the shared crayons, joint fort building, and whispered secrets on a playground swing. Now I say sometimes, I feel like I should say all the time. Because especially in pre-K, we aren't using textbooks. We aren't using the Promethean board all the time. It's about the play. And it's about the peer interaction. And it's about the peer play and the community that we build. Have you ever seen a flock of birds change direction in the sky? It's breathtaking, right? So each bird, while following the one ahead, also influences the bird behind. This synchronicity is much like peer play. Children not only follow, but lead, shape, and are shaped in return. In the heart of Japan, there's a unique practice known as Kodomo no Kuni Children's Land, a place where kids design, create, and govern their mini world. Here, you'll see future leaders negotiate, problem solvers tackle dragon invasions, and budding artists paint sunsets. It's pure play sculpting tomorrow's champions. But how do we as educators, as parents, as caregivers, how do we foster this? And it's not just about having that play date. Of course, that's important. Imagine your role not as a director, but as a gardener. Instead of dictating each scene, you're tending, nurturing, ensuring the soil is rich and the environment is right. Then you step back and watch the seeds of pure play blossom. It's very much the same philosophy that you have heard me speak about when it comes to play. Facilitate, guide, support, create. We are not in charge. The children are in charge. 
Here's a little golden nugget of research. A Stanford study revealed that children involved in consistent quality peer interactions developed superior problem-solving abilities, which went hand-in-hand with academic success. It's like turning the classroom into a vibrant brainstorming session. Think think tanks. Why can't your classroom act like a think tank? Again, we are giving children the foundation to access later academic success. And then in turn, we're also giving them skills that are foundational, that they can build on, that they can use later in life when they're done with school, they're out of school, and they become the people who lead this country. One thing I love to do is group collage or group artwork, paired artwork, trioed artwork, small group artwork. You know, you can set it up or you can leave it out as an invitation. But this is definitely something that runs through the theme in our classroom. We work together. And not anything always belongs to one person. It kind of belongs to the collective. Really what it is, is if somebody builds a structure and then saves it, there is an understanding that somebody else can come along and may want to play with it, especially if you are playing with something else. Think about process art or doing combined collages. If you pair your students off and give them some paints and materials, no two creations are going to be alike. They are going to be different. One day, maybe one group is going to build a dragon or draw a painted dragon, or the next day, they're going to build a theater, and the day before, it was a house. They're not just learning about the skills and using the skills to build and to draw and to paint. It's also about the teamwork, the shared vision, the resilience, the understanding that there are other people and that these other people have ideas that are just as good as yours, or maybe they have different ideas, and we can learn to work together. Visualize an intricate puzzle or visualize life as an intricate puzzle. While each child holds their unique piece, peer play teaches them the art of interlocking them, creating a vivid mosaic of experiences, memories, and skills. So as we wrap up this exploration, remember, the mindset of play isn't merely about the present. It's an investment in a future brimming with empathetic leaders, creative thinkers, and confident collaborators. So thank you so much for embarking on this voyage with me. Let's continue to champion the power of play, fostering spaces where young minds can guide, learn, and flourish together and play together. And that's it for this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Until then, play on.